Welcome to another episode of Pause, Reflect, and Learn with Katie. Today we're going to discuss an important trait for dog trainers. There is knowledge through education, skill obtained from hands-on experience, and growth acquired through continued education. These are three excellent attributes to look for when hiring a dog trainer. There are actually many more skills we should look for, and I'm going to cover them in the coming weeks. Today I want to discuss open-mindedness and flexibility while training dogs. But before we get into today's topic, here is our true or false question of the week. Now when you hear it, I think you'll agree I carefully picked this question to go along with today's topic. True or false, some dogs, specifically pit bull types, have locking jaws and off-the-charts bite pressure. I will answer this question and start today's topic after this brief break. Okay, today's question, true or false? Some dogs, specifically pit bull types, have locking jaws and off-the-chart bite pressure. If you picked false you would be correct. Here's info that comes from grunge.com. According to the University of Georgia's I. Lear Brisbane PhD, pit bull type dogs do not have locking jaws. They also don't have jaws that are any different from other types of dogs. As of the writing of that article, which was in 2010, they also went on to say that there has never been any studies done to measure the bite pressure of any dog. However, in 2012, National Geographic set out to measure not only the bite pressure of dogs, but of other animals, including humans. So here are some of the results of that study. The pit bull registered at 235 pounds per square inch on the bite meter. The German Shepherd managed 238 pounds per square inch, which we're just going to do a PSI. The Rottweiler hit 328 PSI. So now let's move to other testes. Some humans were tested and it was determined that human bite pressure averages between 150 and 200 PSI, while hyenas clock in at 1,000 PSI. But the top dog of the animal kingdom, measuring with a bite of 3,700 PSI, is the saltwater crocodile. So given that bit of terrifying information, it seems the stories about pit bulls and other breeds is a little exaggerated. If you would like to read more about this information, or if you want to share it, you can visit grunge.com. Again, that's grunge.com. Thank you to National Geographic, the University of Georgia, and grunge.com for today's question and lesson. Getting into today's topic, like you, I enjoy podcast episodes. I enjoy listening to podcasts on true crime, marketing, as well as uplifting podcasts, and of course, dog training. Last week, I picked a podcast on puppy nipping. I have techniques in place to stop puppy nipping, but I'm always on the hunt for alternate ideas. The more knowledge I gain, the better equipped I am at helping my clients overcome problems, especially if my current techniques don't work for a particular dog. 
So I settled into the program eager to learn something new. But instead, I listened to 10 minutes of the speaker bash other trainers by name and every single method those trainers offered. She literally read excerpts from different dog training books and then laughed. And her audience had to wait for her ridiculous laughter, which continued for about 30 to 45 seconds before that we could get to the information that we signed on for. Aside from feeling a strong distaste towards her mean girl behavior, I couldn't help but think she was stunting her own growth as a dog trainer by isolating herself from other trainers and their techniques. Refusing to be as close-minded as she was, I pushed past my anger and forced myself to listen to the entire program. Why? Because I wanted to hear the tips she promised to provide. And when the podcast ended, I unsubscribed, deciding I am better off following positive influences and those with an open mind who wish to increase their knowledge, even if they don't necessarily agree with the technique. I use the example of this podcast to open a discussion on flexibility and training a dog with an open mind. Closing our mind to ideas and suggestions is an easy road to stumble upon in this field. No one expects you to agree with or to follow techniques that do not sit well with you. There are plenty that make me cringe. But we have to be careful not to burn bridges. A trainer who uses a technique that you do not like could one day provide a source of information that helps a client dog that you're struggling with. So today I'm going to provide a few tips that will help you avoid this common pitfall. The first is when it comes to clients. When a client asks your thought on a technique and it differs from your method, refrain from eye-rolling, snickering, or insisting the technique they proposed is foolish. Instead, start a conversation. Ask them how their dog responds to the technique and then listen to their feedback. Considering they hired a dog trainer, the method likely isn't working for them or they simply struggle with the execution of the command. And instead of blurting, I knew it wouldn't work, when they do struggle, Help them solve the problem in a constructive and positive manner. An open dialogue demonstrates to your client that you possess knowledge, professionalism, and that you're approachable. When I meet a client and they tell me their methods work, I tell them not to fix what's not broken. Continue working with the dog using their method. But I then offer them tips to tuck away should their method stop working. Sometimes they use those tips and other times... Whatever they're doing works best for their dog. It would be foolish for me to tell them to stop using a method that works and switch to my method just because I'm the dog trainer. That is egotistical and not open-minded. If anything, I'll ask them more about their method just so that I learn something new. And it is okay for the teacher to become the student. All right, here's your next tip. And this is when working with dogs. Not all dogs learn the same. They have their own personalities, temperaments, ability to focus, and they learn differently. If a dog struggles, rather than assume he is incapable of learning, we need to realize that we have yet to figure out how to teach that dog. And although your method works for most dogs, this dog may require an entirely different approach. This weekend, I was trying to teach place to a dog. And while most dogs happily walk on the bed with the lure of a food, 
and some others take a few minutes to get comfortable on the bed. This dog absolutely refused to step on the bed. Now, I am not going to tell their client that their dog is incapable of learning, nor am I going to give up and just move on to another lesson. They wanted me to teach the dog place. I was there to do my job and I had to make it work. But at the same time, I'm not going to drag the dog on the bed and cause stress to the poor dog. We tried everything, including numerous beds and mats, hoping she would finally figure out what we wanted and felt comfortable going on to our place. <laughs> but this dog absolutely refused. So while I was there, I recalled a game that I saw another client play with a dog. It's nothing I've ever done, nor was it anything I would consider doing. But guess what? It worked. And 10 minutes later, we got the dog to willingly walk onto place. It's a start, and now we can start to begin training the dog to follow that command. You will have to utilize different techniques to help dogs understand and learn. Do not hesitate to dig into your trainer's toolbox and examine the different techniques you have picked up over the years. This is where respect and tolerance of other dog trainers come in handy. Too many people want to poo-poo another dog trainer's style or they think their way is much more sophisticated because they have a string of certified letters following their name. The truth of the matter is I will willingly work with a trainer with no experience if that person trains with an open mind. I will decline any partnership with someone who allows their ego to get in the way of doing what's right for dogs because there's no way that I can learn from a closed-minded person. The next tip deals with working with other dog trainers. Should you struggle while training a client dog, you need to turn to someone for guidance. And that is only possible if you interact with other trainers in a positive and professional manner. Most skilled trainers will happily provide insight, suggestions, and referrals to another trainer. Those who don't should not be on your go-to list. Stay away from them. There is likely a good reason they won't help you, and that reason has nothing to do with you. It is in our best interest to listen to other trainers discuss techniques they've used, even if the techniques are different and uncomfortable to you. Ask questions and gather as much information as possible on the topic, then file it away in your trainer's toolbox for future reference. One day, a technique that you despised may be the only thing that works for a particular client or their dog. That one crazy idea may be what saves a dog from being surrendered to a kill shelter. Trust us, it happens. It is the dog trainer's responsibility to offer their client every opportunity to succeed with their dog. We need to approach dog training with an open mind and a willingness to learn, just as we should approach everything in life with that same open mind and willingness. Someone told me about EFT, which is a tapping method that helps with depression, anxiety, weight loss, happiness, stress. They also introduced me to essential oils and meditation. Now, the younger version of me would have dismissed the conversations, but the more mature version decided to listen and learn. And my favorite time of the day now is meditating and tapping for happiness. Always have an open mind when learning something new. It makes life so much more enriching for you. So he, this is a final thought on this topic. And I first heard this when I used to be part of the PTA at my son's school. Dinosaurs are extinct. 
Try your best not to become prehistoric in your thought process. If you refuse to open your mind to new ideas when it comes to dog training, someone else will happily come along and woo your clients away with their flexibility. And like dinosaurs, your prehistoric business will become extinct. We paused and learned. And after this message, we will reflect. Want to learn dog training? Enroll with ISCDT. Our online course consists of 18 lessons that teach dog training and canine behavior. Students work hands-on with dogs and provide a video diary of their work. Visit us at iscdt.com to learn more and enroll. Okay, it is now time in the PupCast for us to reflect. When it comes to training a dog, five minutes a day, Monday through Friday, is better than 30 minutes on Saturday. And that reflection comes from Martin Dealey. And it's true. Practice every day with your dog. Don't jam training into one long session. So here is an extra special reflection for ISCDT students while working on their course. It does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. And this reflection comes from Confucius. Before wrapping up for the day, here is our dog training tip of the week. Dogs feel intimidated when you hover over them. Think of the last time your dog did not follow a command. You likely moved close, bent at the waist so that your face was hovering over theirs, and you shouted the command at them again. This is very disturbing for dogs, and it can lead to a dog bite. Instead, adopt the habit of keeping a good, straight posture when interacting with your dog. And rather than petting them over the head, Pet them on the inner side of their neck when they do a good job. This will give the dog more trust in you as their handler. That is all that we have for today. As always, we enjoy teaching you to train them. Have a great week.